Welcome to the Cross Sands Christian Centre podcast. Based in the small Welsh village of Cross Sands in Carmarthenshire, we've always been passionate about sharing God's love with our local community. And now, thanks to the podcast, we can share that love even more widely. Wherever you're listening to this podcast in the world, we pray it will be a blessing to you. Sending much love from us and God to you. Thank you for listening. A lovely time of praise. It's a special day today, you know. It's International Dawn Chorus Day. Oh, wow. So, so we've... A bit late, but nevertheless, we still did it. I couldn't hear what that said. It's International Dawn Chorus Day. Oh, that's brilliant. It is. Now, you might wonder why it is I've got this book. It's very apt in actual form. Now... Most people write their talk and, and they, uh, they go through it. They might pray to ask God, the Holy Spirit, is it the right word? I give mine to my wife. <laughs> usually she comes up and says, yeah, that's good. <laughs> this time she said, hmm. bit deep, isn't it? <laughs> you need more stories in it. So, Does she say that voice as well? <laughs> Story number one. But it is applicable. And it, it is from, from Monty Don's My Guarding World. And it's about, about Wild Clary. Now, Monty Don, uh, he's, you know, he's got his garden that he did gardening world with. He's also got a farm in the Welsh hills around about 30 miles west of his house. There's a hill farm. His son works on that. Um, and it's it very much to him. It's very much run, uh, as you can imagine with Monty, uh, naturally organically and in the old-fashioned way, uh, producing as much uh, meadow as much as possible. And, and he, he, he likes everything. He, he doesn't really believe but there are such things as weeds and that. So he talks here about wild clary. It's only a short thing. As he says, salvias in the garden, other than sage, tend to be rather exotic and tricky to keep happy in our heavy, wet soil. But on the farm, there is a salvia that grows easily and freely on the hot, sunny banks of thin soil over sandstone. This is Salvia the Bascana, of the wild clary. I have it now in front of me in a little white milk jug on the kitchen table. It's not dramatic, not a star, but it has simplicity and, uh, and distinct style that is lovely. The stems are typically square, with side shoots going off symmetrically at 45 degrees and at equal uh, uh, widely spaced intervals. And the purple flowers are also evenly spaced like ruffs at the stem. It feels as though it should be a summer visitor. But here on the Welsh hillside, like the swallows or cuckoos coming north or a few for a few months to breed before heading south for the winter. But it has made a home here. Come snow, icy winds or endless winter rain as have i and that was the point is that 
Come snow, come ice, come winter rains, come problems and troubles. We've got our home here. And we have to deal with these things. So, Lord, but please open our thoughts up to what you've got to say to us this morning in the words that you put here. Just let us hear what you've got to say. Take it to our heart. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, we've spoken before about the Hebrew language and how one word can cover across a whole spectrum of positive to negative, from good to bad. In the first five Hebrew words, we, uh, we, uh, in the first five, or, uh, sorry, in the first four of the five Hebrew words that we were talking about uh, a while ago, we saw fear being turned into worship by understanding the Hebrew context of Iran. We also learned from Shema having ears to hear, Picard having God uh, when God comes to visit, and Yada to know and be known. Today, we want to look at the last of these five words. There are quite a lot to go still, <laughs> but as for the future. Zakhar, living out a memory. Zakhar, Z-A-K-H-A-R. Having two hearing aids, I go onto the internet to try to find how to pronounce it. But I can only rely on what my hearing aids tell me. <laughs> but it does seem that the K almost disappears and the H is pronounced, so it's Zakhar. Some Bible passages can really be difficult to understand. For instance, in several places, God says, I will not remember your sins. But how can God, in his infinite intellect, forget something? And what does he expect of us when we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? Does God really expect us to forgive and forget the sins of others. Because sometimes it's difficult, isn't it? The answer to this comes from understanding the wideness of the Hebrew word for remember. Zakhar. For some, it's not just an academic question. Claire Barton, a nurse and founder of the Red Cross, was known for not carrying a grudge. When a friend reminded her about a hurtful incident, she replied, I distinctly remember forgetting about that. <laughs> Understanding the Hebrew word for remember and forget can help us untangle a theological knot. They, like many words, have a wider breadth of meaning than the English. Because we've talked about before about the, the, the Hebrew language being word poor. Because there are only 4,000 words in the Hebrew language, whereas we've got 100,000 in the English. In English, our definition of the word remember focuses entirely on the idea of recalling memories and bringing ideas into our thoughts 
To forget is to fail to remember a certain memory or bring it to mind. Both words are concerned entirely, remember and forget, entirely on mental activity in the English language. Whether or not information is present, not you, or you, but most of us who went through the 60s, do you remember? If you sent a letter, you had first class and second class. The difference between them was you licked the envelope sealed or you didn't. It had nothing to do with when it was going to be delivered. Only they didn't call it first and second or something, did they? Call it something else. I, 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 I don't think they, they. I don't know what they called it. No, I couldn't remember. I, I could remember that though. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, it, what it was is it, it was something like uh, threepence if you if you didn't if you licked it and two and a half pence if you didn't yeah. lick it. You just tucked it in. Yeah. But that was it. So you know. So where have I got to? Oh, I'm up there. So it all had to do with that. Now, if you ask a youngster today, you're a youngster, I'm sure you. There is, you will find no information to back that concept up on, on your Royal Mail. It's just a memory that, that, that people have who lived through that time. There's no foundation in it anymore. So don't try it. The Hebrew word, it's a verb, uh, zakar has a much wider definition than just remember. It includes both remembering and the actions that are taken because of remembering. It often implies that a person did a favour for someone, helped them, or was faithful to a promise or covenant. And if we read in Genesis 8, 1, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were there with him and in the ark. And God caused the wind to pass over the earth and the waters to subside. It says God remembered. No, it didn't mean that God one morning woke up and wow, Noah's bobbing around on the sea. <laughs> I must do something about it. <laughs> it, it obviously, it, the text itself say, is here, is saying that God's actions that he was fulfilling a promise to save Noah and, and acting on this behalf, on the promise that he made. Later in Genesis, we find another example. When God remembered Rachel, he listened to her and opened her womb. Verse uh, 30, uh, 22. Um, once again, the verb remember focuses on an action and not mental activity. God paid attention to Rachel's needs, listened to her prayer, and answered it. Here, remember means to intervene, focusing on what God did, not what God was thinking about. When Zechariah is used in a context of sin, as in Ezekiel 33, 14-16, it implies an action becoming more negative. Listen to this now. Ezekiel 33, 14-16. If I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, but they then turn away from their sin and do what is just and right, none of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. They have done what is just and right. 
In Hebrew, to, uh, to not remember sin doesn't necessarily imply that God loses the ability to recall them. It simply means that he has decided to forgo prosecution. It refers to God's actions rather than his mental recall. God is interested in what you're doing today, in what you're doing tomorrow. He's not concerned about what you did yesterday because that's past. You can't do anything about it. Have you learned by it? There's a story, another story, well here. There's a story about a, 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 a much-loved pastor who carried the burden of a secret sin he committed years before. He had repented, but still had no peace about it. No sense of God's forgiveness. In his congregation was a woman who deeply loved Jesus, and who claimed to have visions in which Jesus would speak to her. The pastor was sceptical. So he gave her this test. The next time you are with Jesus, I want you to ask him what sin your pastor committed whilst he was in seminary. The woman agreed. And a few days later, the pastor asked, well, did Jesus visit you in your dreams? What did he say when you asked him what sin I committed? The woman replied, he said, I don't remember. <laughs> so if we think of God not remembering sin, referring to God's actions, as well as his mental recall, it can be very freeing in terms of understanding God's expectations of us. If a person has hurt us repeatedly, does forgiveness mean to, uh, to pretend that that person won't act the same way again? The idea that we can decide not to remember someone's sin by not seeking revenge allows us to protect ourselves and be wise about the future. Isaiah 43:25. I found this interesting as I was fiddling about Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I've never noticed that before. And I will remember your sin no more. He, he's saying... It's for your sake. And so often we turn around and we say, yeah, we need to move on. We need to let it go. But it's not for that person's sake. It's for our sake. If you think about it, God would simply delete things from his databanks. He'd have a much easier time forgiving than we do. We humans have to put aside our grievances every time a memory returns, forgiving again and again. But the more we love one another, the easier it becomes to remove the past from our minds. Perhaps then God's infinite love really does remove our sins from his infinite mind. And we have to remember that even though we choose to forget, it doesn't mean we're not 
going to have to choose to do exactly the same thing time and time and time again. It isn't like that. I, I would like to point out one. Nowhere in the Bible have I been able to find it that God forgets your sins. I've searched. There isn't, doesn't seem to be anywhere where God tells you he forgets your sins. What God says is, I will not remember your sins. He is taking a definite choice because he loves you, because... Um, and, and that's why this is important. Um, in Hebrew, there's a big difference between the word remembering and forgetting. Now... Uh, that is the word for forget in Hebrew. I've been trying to work that one out. I've tried to <laughs> split it up here to get my tongue around it. So just as remembering includes actions, the Hebrew word for forget, shekeva, has a similar broad meaning that includes actions. They mean to deliberately ignore or disregard something for sake of someone or violating an agreement. I just want to, just for a minute, look at this, because that's not what we're about. This sheds light on the scene in Joseph's life in Egypt after he was imprisoned. He interpreted the cupbearer's dream, telling him that he would soon be released. But then Joseph pleaded, When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Remember me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. That's Genesis 40, 14. Unfortunately, we hear later on in Genesis 40, 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Two different things. You might think that Joseph's request just slipped the cupbearer's mind, but in Hebrew, it's just like uh, it's likely that the cupbearer ignored Joseph's request deliberately, decided not to act on it. Hebraically, if you've forgotten, uh, sorry, Hebraically, you've forgotten if you act like it, not. You don't need to forget. If you've acted as if it, it's taken that you've forgotten. Regardless of what's going on in your mind, if you don't act on it, it says you've forgotten. So, this helps us understand why in the Psalms we hear people asking God, why is he forgetting them? In Psalm 13, 1, David cries out, How, Lord, how long, O Lord, will you forget I, I tried to search for that word, and in actual fact, the, the, the word forget is, is in the middle of will you forget, it's all in one, but Shekeah uh, is actually there. How long will you forget me? How, uh, how long will you hide your face from me? Here the psalmist is saying, why do you ignore my prayers and not intervene in my crisis? God doesn't forget, but sometimes it seems as if he does. Sometimes we think, oh, where are you, God? When you're in despair, it's hard not to feel sometimes that God has forgotten you. So, 
looking at Zachar again, remember and remembering. Look at Exodus 28. When God gives Israel the command to remember the Sabbath day, here it means to observe the Sabbath, to celebrate it by setting it apart from ordinary life. So, it, so here you've got remembering it, once again, it's being an action. When the commandments are listed again, uh, again in Deuteronomy, the Sabbath command specifies that they are to remember how God set them free from slavery in Egypt, in Jewish thought and Exodus from, the, from, the, from Egypt, was a key event in establishing Israel as a nation. God released them from not just physical slavery, but spiritual, uh, spiritual slavery to idols and demons. He set them free of a whole load of things. They were to celebrate by resting from being enslaved to labour, by enjoying a mini exodus week each, a day each week. Now, I always thought of, of Sunday Bath celebration as, as commemorating the, the seventh day, but it seems in the Jewish kind, it's a lot more than that. And in Deuteronomy 5, 12, 15 goes on to say, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do, uh, uh, do all your work. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, the Lord God, uh, on it you shall not do any work. And then it carries on through that. Um, and it goes on to say, um, uh, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that your Lord, your God, brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So it is, that's, that's the reason we, uh, we don't work, is that it's, it's more than just remembering he didn't, uh, he didn't work on creation. Notice how Deut uh, Deuteronomy 5 specifically prohibits people from having Anyone else serve them on that day. All servants, slaves, and even animals must be released from their labours. People are to remember how God redeemed them from unending servitude by extending this wonderful rest to others. Remembering here and everywhere uh, and elsewhere really describes a deliberate act of giving out a memory by uh, by living out a memory memory by commemorating and memorializing an event by reenacting a memory again and again you continually make it real to yourself and others And that's interesting, isn't it? But we can we can we can use the word memory um, to 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 reinforce uh, things, but we can also use not remembering to reinforce um, our good things. So, so we can now see how God can forget people, but yet not forget or how he can choose not to remember, and yet not erase them from his memory. Good chooses to put them aside, to ignore them, and not to bring them up again. When in a close relationship, it's easy to, if things go wrong, a wife feels hurt for something her husband's done, or vice versa. 
She puts the memory out of her mind. That doesn't mean it's gone away. Out of love, you simply choose not to ever act in revenge on the sin. And once you have done this, the memory itself tends to subside. But it is a thing, a continual thing. The Hebraic idea of remembering sin really encompasses the idea of punishment of sin, not just knowing about them. We can find this very freeing in terms of understanding God's expectation of us. Often we struggle with a a person who has hurt us, like we were talking about before, and wonder whether forgiveness means to pretend that the person won't act the same way again. We are allowed to protect ourselves and hope for change. The idea that we can decide not to remember someone's sin in terms of seeking revenge allows us to remember in order to make the situation better. In other words, you, you, you forgive the sin, yeah, you forgive the person, but not the sin. You actually remember the sin, but you forgive the person. If, if God could simply delete things from his databanks, he would find it much easier than humans can erase memory. When we forgive a person, we need to choose to put aside our grievances. And often we need to do it time and time again, because the memories will re- return. But as you let them go, they will free you. When you think about it, it shows more love to be hurt and choose not to remember time and time again, rather than to simply be able to forget about the incident. But interesting, the more we love one another, the easier it becomes to remove that memory from our past minds. In this sense, perhaps God's infinite love really does entirely remove sin from his infinite mind. So how do we remember? Well, this Christian faith, faith, Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So all the authority is there. And what did he do with it? He gave us this, a memory. And he, he did on, on that on that night. He 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 did this. He he was at the supper, and he just gave very simply that message to us, to to remember the Lord God Almighty, who came to earth, and 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 to take part in this. It is just one way. Every single you can do it every day if you want to, but every single week at least we can remember that. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we just thank you that you brought this gift to us, the gift of life. We thank you that you're always there. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your spirit that lives in us. 
We thank you that you choose to remember and you choose not to remember and you choose to teach us. We just thank you that you're there. We praise your holy name. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We do pray it's been a blessing to you. If you have any questions or you need to reach out to anyone for support, please know that you can find us now on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Cross Hands Christian Centre.